so I can't go through each of the It doesn't do a visual. It doesn't do a visual. Okay. That's that's good for me to know. Okay. So if you want right now, uh, Mark. That's okay. Mark will do. Mark, can you roll back to the beginning and throw up just an announcement slides? Go to the very beginning. So for your part.
Um, so we'll see how the Lord leads with that. You can go on to the next slide. Um, this is one of our men's meetings. Um, and this, this just kind of shows you really quickly, as you glance there, even in that small group, how many different nationalities are represented. I mean, we have Korea and Kenya and Malaysia and the Philippines and Australia and Singapore and China and India and America, all in that uh, one picture there. And so uh, thankful for these men that I get to serve with. You can go to the next one. We had a project this last year of translating the bridge track into simplified Chinese, excuse me, just traditional Chinese. Most of China uses simplified Chinese. We had it into that, but Hong Kong as well as Taiwan uses traditional Chinese characters. You say, Matt, what's the difference? I have no idea, but it's a difference, okay? And it it's, makes it more difficult for them to read. So we had uh, 10,000 of these tracks printed into traditional Chinese. It was quite a, a project, we're thankful for that. You can go to the next one. From the months of January to April, we did not have in-person services. Um, because of COVID, you're like, it's still going on. Well, yes, I mean, yes. Anyway, we won't get into the politics of it, okay? Uh, but it is still going on. And so our, my pastor and I, we said, you know what? Let's do something during these months. And we put together 2,000 what we call COVID relief bags. And you can see the picture on the left is what we put in there. Uh, some masks, some hand sanitizer, some fun things for the kids, a mask holder, a little portable grocery bag, just stuff like that. And uh, you can go to the next slide. And we had fun putting together as a church, and then the next one. And uh, then we had some fun handing these out as well. It was quite humorous watching people. They weren't sure what these white people were giving them. <laughs> They're like, is this okay for us to take? And they wondered, are they charging? You know how it is. And they're like, what's the catch? We kept saying, this is free, this is free. We even had it in, in Chinese there. It was funny because they kind of walked by they, they would say no, and they'd walk by, and then they'd see somebody else grab one, and they'd make a U-turn, and come back and get one, and then they'd come back and get a couple more, you know. So it was great. We, we, don't, we haven't seen any immediate fruit from that, but I tell our church there are at least 2,000 people that now know about our church that didn't know about it before, and hopefully it was a, it was a good thing. And so we're thankful for those opportunities. You can go to the next slide. Uh, we've been able to run several camps this last year in Hong Kong. This was one at a, a local school. We had about an hour and a half with them and uh, played a game, but also was able to share the gospel with all these students here. It's about 250 students. You can go to the next slide. Uh, that's uh, as I'm having the opportunity to share with them. You can go to the next one. This is another open door the Lord has brought to us, um, doing English uh, chats with a school, a local school there. Um, and this will continue this next year. We're really excited about And Tiffany and I have a chance, and Jonathan actually as well, to um, go and share with the students there, have conversation. It's a Christian school. And the only reason I put it in air quotes is most of the students are not Christian. The leadership is Christian. Most of the teachers are Christian. Most of the students are not. So it's really great. We have full opportunity to share the Bible with them as we talk. You can go to the next one. This was playing games with them at the camp that I ran in July for them. Uh, some of you have been to the wilds. You recognize Big Ball Volleyball, and you'll also recognize in that top right corner, Cat in the Hat. Uh, so they had a lot of fun uh, learning those two games. It was kind of interesting. I had two days of camp. First day was seventh grade. They were awful. They were just awful. All right. Uh, they, were, they were misbehaved. They didn't enjoy any of it until the very last part of the day. Matter of fact, I was texting with Tiffany, who was in the U.S. at the time, and I said, "Hun, I'm questioning my calling of trying to minister to you. 
I wasn't really, but you know, sometimes we get discouraged, right? Maybe you don't ever, but I, I was. And I was like, what is going on? But then the second day we had the eighth graders and they were fabulous. And the teachers were like, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. And I said, no, it's okay. And so but it, it went well. And they've asked me to come back and do this again next year and also expanded it to some of the older grades. So thank you for those opportunities. We can go to the next slide. Uh, we set up our own corporation there in Hong Kong. I don't have time to explain all the reasons why we needed to do that. But Hope in Action is now a registered business in Hong Kong. I had to go through all the articles of incorporation, all the signings and that. Finally, after six months, got my bank account set up for Hope in Action. And one of the avenues of that is skills basketball camps. And you can go to the next slide. We held our first camp uh, this uh, July. July 11 to 13, we had 60 uh, young people come for that, um, ages 6 to 8, and then ages 9 to 11, and ages 14, or actually 15, uh, 14 to 16. And so it was a lot of work, but now that we've done it once, we're excited to be able to do this and repeat this uh, over and over again. Uh, each day, I had a time where I would sit down with the students and I would share the gospel with them. We'd talk about four aspects of God's love that God's love is foundational, that it's sacrificial, that it's transformational, and it's, I forgot the last one. It's what? Unconditional, thank you, I'm glad somebody else remembered, okay? So we did those four things with them, uh, and uh, just had a great time with the students, and looking forward to seeing how that continues. You can go to the next slide. We are ready for the sermon. Uh, let me just say this, Pastor Tyler, oh, you, you'll go text during the service now. Yeah. I've got your phone. <laughs> you can have on Facebook during the message. That's great. <laughs> uh, you can continue to pray for us. Um, as I mentioned, COVID is still an issue. Uh, thankfully, it's not as big of an issue as it was. We were shut down from January to April. Now things have opened up. They've actually reduced the quarantine time for inbound travelers from two weeks to one week to three days. So now when we go back uh, a week from Monday, we'll only have to quarantine in the hotel for three days. That saves a lot of money, but it also saves our sanity, okay? Because the last time we moved to Hong Kong or went to Hong Kong, we were in a hotel room for two weeks without going out. And I'm telling you, we barely made it, all right? Um, I probably had the hardest time of anybody in there. Matter of fact, one day, just to say that I could do it, I ran a 5K in my hotel room. <laughs> and Tiffany's like, are you really going to do this whole thing? I said, yes, I've got to do something. All right. So uh, you continue to pray for the ministries there. We actually absolutely love what we are doing. We love uh, being there. Because of the politics and because of COVID, we get asked all the time, why are you still here? Uh, multiple times, I'll get in a taxi, and they'll be like, where are you from? America. Why are you here? And I tell them, they said, are you staying and I'll say, yeah. And they're like, why? And I get a chance to share with them why. And I usually mention our church, but I also mention reaching the youth. And they're like, this is very good. Thank you so much. We're so glad that you're here. I said, oh, yeah, we love it. We enjoy being here. And they're just kind of like, really? <laughs> it's been a difficult time uh, for Hong Kong be, uh, be, between the politics side of it and the COVID side of it. And uh, you just continue to pray because I think this is a great time, even as we sang this morning, to be able to say, hey, my hope is Jesus. Amen. Right? Yeah. Hope's not in politics, right. if you know that, right? <laughs> our hope is not in uh, our health and those kind of things, but our hope is and can be found in Jesus Christ. So you pray as we seek to continue to minister uh, there. We will be going back uh, a week from Monday, 
It came because my daughter Annie, we dropped her off at Maranatha uh, just uh, yesterday. So we left there yesterday. And also uh, my nephew got married and also we had a grandbaby. So we're here for just about a month and then we'll be heading back and uh, look forward to again jumping into ministry there in Hong Kong. Colossians chapter 2. You're like, I was hoping you were going to get here eventually. Colossians 2, we're going to read verses 6 through 10. Colossians 2, let's read verses 6 through 10, and then we'll have a word of prayer and continue with our time this morning. The Bible says here, As ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Okay, so in other words, if you are a Christian, that's wonderful. You've received him. Maybe you're here this morning, you have not received him. Okay, obviously that'd be the first step to say yes to Jesus Christ, to let him control your life, to let him rule your life, and to realize he is the only way for salvation. But Paul here writes to this church and he says, as you have received Christ, now live in Christ. You recognize, right, that being saved is not the end of what Christ wants to do in your life. He wants to continue to change you. So as, or even since you've received Christ, now live for Christ. This is the theme Paul hits at all throughout his epistles. Don't just say, oh yeah, I'm saved. Oh yeah, I went to church. But now live for him. Prove your salvation by the way you live. Okay? Verse 6, as ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therewith, with thanksgiving. Verse 8. Now here comes a warning. Beware. Watch out. Danger ahead. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Here we receive a warning about what is going on around us that we have to be careful of. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Verse 9, for in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. By the way, if somebody ever says to you, Jesus Christ was a good man, but he was not God, here's another great passage to take them to. Okay, In Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ was God in human flesh. Verse 10, and ye are complete in him, in Christ, which is the head of all principality and power. For our time this morning, we're going to focus in on verse 8 and look and see what God has for us this morning with that. Let's pray, and then we'll continue with our time this morning. Lord, we thank you for what we have heard already this morning. I thank you for the encouragement in the Sunday school time, even just being with the young people and seeing their willingness to learn from the truth of the Word of God. I thank you for the music this morning, and thank you for the fellowship that we have had. And Lord, now as we come to look into your Word, would you open our hearts to what you want us to grow in? Or maybe there's somebody here that has not received you yet. They don't know that their sins are forgiven. They don't have confidence they're on their way to heaven. They have not surrendered their life to you. Lord, I pray maybe today they would trust you as their Savior. Lord, for, for many of us, we've come here today confident in our salvation, but we need encouragement to continue to grow. Lord, help us as we look at this passage to be ready and willing to change for your glory. May you be honored in our time this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
got my iPad over here, the phone over here. Let's see if I can handle all this, all right? In 1907, in this issue of the Saturday Evening Post, a short story by O. Henry was published. How many of you have ever read The Ransom of Red Cheek? Maybe you read this? Okay, there's a few of you. If you've not, it's not very long. You ought to take the time to read it. It's a hilarious short little story, okay? I'll give you the, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, already give you the ending, so I'm sorry, but okay? But it's, you still ought to read it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Two men kidnap a boy and demand a $2,000 ransom from a wealthy Alabama man. This man was known to have a lot of money. They're like, there's this kid. Let's get him, and we're going to make rich. And the whole story is about how the two men who kidnapped eventually realized we just want to do anything we can to get rid of this boy now. And eventually, eventually they pay the father to take the boy back. So they send the ransom to the dad, and the dad's like, uh-uh, you keep him. You guys can have him. And they drive these kidnappers so crazy that they eventually pay the dad, all right? Uh, the ransom of red cheek. You know, even though we can joke about kidnapping in this scenario, kidnapping is actually a serious issue in many places in the world. Several years ago, my son and I, Nathan, traveled to Pakistan. And I, when I went to Pakistan, I wrote notes to my family in case I never came back. You're like, Matt, that's kind of morbid. I was like, I didn't know. I know I'm, I'm a pretty big guy, all right? I'm pretty obvious when I go in. I was like, in case something happens, because I heard about people kidnapping people, demanding ransoms, I was like, I'm going to be careful, all right? Kidnapping is a serious issue in many places in the world. But in our passage today, we're talking about something being kidnapped, not somebody being kidnapped. So the idea of kidnapping is right here in this passage but it's talking about us being kidnapped by something. Look at chapter 2, verse 8 once again. He gives us this warning, beware lest any man spoil you. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word spoil. My first thought is when I go to the, to the refrigerator and want milk on my cereal, and I pour a, a nice big bowl of cereal with all the milk, and I take the first bite, and you spit it out. Right? Because the milk is spoiled. Have you ever had somebody say, oh, just smell it? And they're like, oh, it's okay. And they're like, oh, just taste it. I don't want to taste it if it's close. It's gross, right? Nobody likes for things to be spoiled. That's not, though, what this word means here. It's not talking about that kind of spoiled, like it's, it's turned sour or rotten. It's also not talking about when somebody says, oh, your child is so spoiled, right? Uh, Jonathan now is our only child in the home with us. He is the baby of five. He's not a very small baby, all right? He's 16 and a big dude, all right? But he is now the baby, and his older siblings all of to talk about how many things he gets to do that they never got to do, right? <laughs> He's spoiled, right? And there's probably somebody in your family that you're thinking of right now, oh, man, they are so spoiled, all right? That's not what this, you say, Matt, you're talking a lot about what this word doesn't mean. Okay, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. The word spoil here is the idea of when an army would go into a city, they would capture the city, and they would take of the, what? The spoil for themselves. They would take it back to their city. Sometimes that spoil included stuff, but sometimes that spoil included people, right? Even think of biblical times. 
When the Babylonians took Daniel and his friends into captivity, they took of the spoil. So here, Paul is warning the people. He's like, listen, you've received Christ. You need to walk like Christ, but watch out because there is danger ahead. There is something that is trying to take you captive. There is something that is trying to kidnap you. This morning, I've titled the message, Kidnapped by the Culture. Kidnapped by the Culture. You say, Matt, why by the culture? Why do you use that? Because look at verse 8 again. He says, beware, watch out, lest any man spoil you or kidnap you through, or you can even say by, here's what you're going to be kidnapped by, by philosophy. And some of you are thinking, ah, I knew that philosophy stuff was bad. That's just too deep, right? My, my pastor in Hong Kong actually has a doctorate in philosophy. So I love to tease him about this, right? Where's Lauren about that stuff? But it's not talking about the study of philosophy, so to speak. It's using this word as the idea of thinking. Watch out that you are not destroyed, kidnapped by thinking. What kind of thinking? He goes on. Thinking that is, what's he say? Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Or you can even say, which is deceptive. So the, the, this teaching is deceptive. It's empty. It's vain. It's after the tradition of men. It's humanistic. It's after the basic elements of the world. And here's the bottom line. It's not after Christ. So he says, you've received Christ. Live for him, but watch out. There is danger ahead. As we talk about this idea of being kidnapped, I think, first of all, he gives us a caution against complacency. A caution against complacency. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. Uh, many of you know that I worked at the Wilds Christian Camp for 20 years, and one of the things we did in the spring, we would have seven weeks of Christian high school senior trips. That would come to the wilds. So Christian high schools would say, you know what, we're going to have a senior trip. Let's do part of it at a Christian camp. And usually when they would come in, the seniors were like, oh, brother, we're at a Christian camp for our senior trip. This is so dumb. I can picture it on the first Monday night. Y'all just sitting there like, and then by the end of the week, they had a great time. God had been working in their heart. It was fun to see that transition. But one of the things we did with those seniors is every Wednesday, we would take them whitewater rafting. Okay. And we had a staff who had to be trained on this river, the Matahala River, right? It's not a very serious river. But you know what? When you go down that river in that raft, I would usually have four, five, six people in the raft with me. You have something they give to you called a paddle. And there is a reason you are given a paddle, because if you are going to navigate that river, you don't want to go exactly where the river wants to take you all the time. You want to go where you can paddle so you can navigate it and avoid problems. I remember one time when I was coming to the biggest rapid, and we got there, and we did not hit the rapid just right, and it dumped the entire boat. Everybody went out except me as the guide. I was sitting in the back going, hi, sorry about that. Because we didn't hit it just right, it caused a problem with the entire boat. And can I use this silly illustration to tell you this morning if you do not navigate the culture and the thinking of our current society and you let it take you wherever it wants to take you, the river, so to speak, 
you are going to hit rapid after rapid, big rock after big rock that is going to potentially shipwreck you and your home. And so what the warning here is, don't be complacent. Don't just sit in the boat and let the river of culture take you wherever it wants to take you. Watch out. Note that it's trying to take you and your family and destroy it. That is Satan's goal. So beware. Don't be complacent. It has to be something active. You have to actively grab your paddle and say, you know what? I'm going to find out what the Word of God says. I'm going to steer clear of this. I'm going to steer clear of that. We are going to go against the current of the culture for the glory of God. You have to watch out for complacency. But this is where we'll spend most of our time this morning. He also is saying, listen, watch out, because what is going to capture you? Yes, the behavior and the actions of the culture, watch out for. But the real problem with the behavior and the actions of the culture is what is behind that. It's the thinking that leads to that. This is what he says here. Beware, watch out lest you get taken captive by philosophy. And I'm equating that with wrong thinking. Because it's the kind of thinking that is empty, it's vain, he says in the passage. It's deceptive, he says deceptive. It's selfish, all right? That's the traditions of men. It's worldly, it's the rudiments of the world, and it's not after Christ. So beware. For our time this morning, we are only going to focus on one of these. You say amen. This is a four-part message that I did in Hong Kong. So we're just focusing in on one of them this morning. We are going to focus in on the idea, beware lest you are captive by the deceptive thinking of our culture. You know, God, through the inspiration of Scripture, has used the writers to warn us over and over and over about being taken captive by the culture. Many of you are familiar with Romans chapter 12. Or in verse 2, we are told, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we are told to gird up the loins of our mind, or be ready for action. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. He says, listen. Take action. Be ready. Don't live like you used to. You've been saved now. But in verse 15 of 1 Peter 1, it says, But as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of your behavior, your conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. In 1 John 2, we are told not to love the world. And he goes on to say, if you are a lover of this world and its culture, if that's what you love, the love of the Father is not in you. You see, there's this big divide that should be taking place. There are people who love this culture, and there are people who love God. They're not supposed to mix. You know what happens oftentimes in our churches, in our homes, in our individuals' lives? We're like, you know what, I can kind of love God today, and I can kind of love the culture tomorrow, and maybe mix them in between during the day, and as long as I go to church, then I'm good. I did my little thing. And that might satisfy our conscience, but it's not what God desires for us. He desires us to be separate from the culture, to be set apart. And James 4, matter of fact, he says, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world 
is an enemy of God. Isn't that interesting? Oftentimes you'll meet somebody that, that will say they're a Christian, but it seems all the things that God hates, they love. And all the things that God loves, they hate. I remember talking to teenagers when I was at the Wilds, and they'd sit and preach, and they'd be like, oh, this is so dumb, this is so dumb, this is so dumb. But then you talk to them about sinful things, they're like, oh, yeah, I love it, I love it. Well, wait a minute. And often the reason teenagers struggle with that same attitude is because maybe mom and dad do. And we all have to guard our hearts against this. And it starts in our thinking. It starts with the way we form our ideas about what is going on. You say, Matt, what do you mean by culture? Well, we're talking about things that are part of this world's system. They're thinking, behaving, speaking, and acting that would be contrary to God's way or God's plan. Of course, there are parts of culture that are neutral, right? I mean, I live in Hong Kong. It is a melting pot of that side of the world. We have people from all over in our church, and you meet people all over every day. I love the variety of food in Hong Kong. You know what? That's a part of culture. That's not what he's talking about here in Colossians 2. He's not talking about things that are neutral, like food or traditions that are even positive many times. But there are parts of culture that no matter where you are in the world that are against God's ways, his words, his plans, and his worldview. That's what we are being warned against. Let me give you a quick example. In Hong Kong, just before I came back to the U.S., I walked down the street just a little bit down from our church. Our church is kind of in downtown Hong Kong. If you think of downtown New York City, that'd be, that'd be a similar concept, similar comparison. So in downtown Hong Kong, our church, I walk out of there. I'm going to go uh, up to a, 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 get a couple things at the grocery store. And I noticed down the street there's some things hanging out of a store. Actually, the first time I noticed it, I was going by in the taxi. I walked back there, and there are paper houses, paper boats, uh, paper suits of clothes, um, paper purses, paper shoes, uh, paper snacks, all this stuff in this store. It's dominated by all this stuff. And so I asked one of the girls in our church, I'm like, hey, listen, tell me about this. And I had a pretty good idea already. She's like, yes, uh, what many people believe in this culture is they need to take those items. So they go to the store, they buy these paper houses, paper boats, paper shoes, paper purses. They take them to the graves of their ancestors. Then they burn these things at the grave. And that is supposed to send those things to their ancestors. That is how they show respect. That is how they, how they show they love them. And they believe that now when I burn that boat, my ancestor in the afterlife gets a boat. I actually, I actually don't have it with me today, but I bought some of the money just because I was intrigued by it. It was like 50 cents. But it's this money that you can burn at the grave for these people. Now, some of you are sitting out there saying, man, that's against the Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches. Right. That's a part of the culture that we should do this to. Yeah. Right? That's a little bit more obvious, though. What's not quite as obvious sometimes is when you turn on Netflix or you turn on a YouTube video or you turn on a movie or you're listening to a song or you hear people around you or you're on social media and you start getting pulled in to something that maybe isn't as obvious, but it's still a part of the culture that is contrary to what God teaches. That is what Paul is warning against. He's not saying, oh, be careful of culture. He said, be careful of the part of culture that is against God, that's against what he desires. And this often, often is extremely 
deceptive. Yeah. It's extremely deceptive. This is what Satan does. If you follow the, the, the beginning of how Satan came into this world, even the very start in our Bible, we read of Satan being a deceptive creature. He is a crafty master deceiver, is the way I put it up here on the screen. In John chapter 8, I think I have verse 55, which kind of talks about that, but actually verse 44 is a better one to look at. Jesus calls Satan the father of all lies, who is a liar from the beginning. Several years ago, my brother Mark was disappointing his small daughter. I think she was three or four at the time, and she had lied. And he was trying to get the point across about not being a liar. And he's like, Morgan, do you realize who the father of all lies is? And she said, yes. And he's like, who is it? He looked right at him and said, it's you, Daddy. <laughs> of course, that wasn't the answer he was looking for, right? He was trying to go, Satan is the father of all lies. God is the author of truth. You want to pursue God. But you know what, what happens is because Satan is the author of all lies, it's one of his most utilized weapons yeah. to trick us right. into believing things, into following things that are against God. I have that second point simply this way. What, what Satan often uses to pull us away from God is often stuff that's very close, but not quite. You know? I mean, if somebody walks into your house and you're like, Peter, hey, God, it's a Satan-worshiping temple. You're like, whoa, 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 no, no, back off. But what Satan often does is he allows things to slip into our thinking through a variety of ways that maybe even sound kind of good, maybe don't seem so bad, maybe even other people in the church have bought into. And then he's like, okay, now I've got it. And little by little by little, he deceives us. He is a master at this. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. There will be false prophets and false Christs. And then he says, They'll be so good at their deception that they can even deceive the very elect of God. He'll deceive those who are believers in Jesus Christ. I've seen this in our church in Hong Kong already. We have many, many different cults there in Hong Kong, just like we do here, but it's maybe a little bit more prevalent in a big city. And they'll come and ask us questions. Hey, Pastor, I saw this in a piece of literature I was given. Or, hey, I saw this on YouTube. Or, and you know what? It's so easy to be deceived by what we hear. It's very, very tricky. I put underneath this, this close but not quite idea. Satan wants you to trust your feelings over the truth. Yeah. By the way, where is the truth found? Right here, right? Okay? So you can substitute scripture or the Bible where I say truth. He wants you to trust your feelings over what the Bible says. He wants you to trust popular opinion over what the Bible says. You know, the United States was founded on Christian ethics and Christian morals. We are far from that now. So you can't just go, oh, this is what's really popular in our culture today. This is what I'm being told I should think and believe and just swallow it. You have to say, okay, that sounds interesting. Maybe even sounds good. What does the Bible say? Right. So you can't just 
trust popular opinion. That's what Satan wants you to do. I don't even know why I put him here. He wants you to trust YouTube over the truth. And the reason I put YouTube is because this is what's grabbing so many in our church. They'll watch a pastor. Often they're an American pastor. Yeah. They'll say, Pastor Herbster or Pastor Johnson, I saw this guy say this. And, and, uh, no, no, no. We go right to the bottom. Look what the, oh, wow. He's kind of tricky. Yeah. 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 And it's so easy for us to be deceived and be kidnapped right. by the culture. I'd like you to turn quickly in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I have up here under this idea of, oh, it's close, doesn't seem too bad. This idea of being comfortable with wickedness. Satan wants you and I to not think sin is that big of a deal. He wants us to deceive you, and this is one of his greatest weapons. He wants to deceive you and deceive me that, oh, it's just a, it's just a little bit of sinfulness. It's not too bad. Notice what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. He gives a list. Actually, let me start in verse 3. He gives a list of sinfulness, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Let it not be once named among you. By the way, that's interesting. Not once. Yeah. Don't flirt with sin. Flee from sin. Okay? Verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Okay, so he lists all these things. And he says, people that live their lives in this way, he's not saying a one-time sin, but people that live their lives in this way, this is what they're pursuing, they don't have a part of God. That's not a Christian believer. Okay? Verse 6. Let no man, what's the next word? Deceive you. With vain words. Does that sound like Colossians 2 a little bit? Vain deceit, he says in Colossians 2. He says, no, no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things. What are these things? All those wicked sins we just listed. All those things that were like, oh, we've got to stay away from that. Let no man deceive you. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Well, why do you think he had to tell them, don't be deceived? Because the deception part is, oh, this isn't too bad. It's not that big of a deal. He's like, no, 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 don't be deceived. God's wrath is upon that kind of right. stuff. Yeah. It's serious. You know what happens in my life? Again, I've been around Christianity. I want to please God. I want to do what's right. And so when something awful comes in front of me that's just obvious, it's like, oh, man, no, no, no. You know, what, you know what Satan loves to do? He loves to sneak things in that we think, ah, it's not that bad. One little glance. Yeah. One little taste. Right. One little time. Ah, it's not that big of a deal. And you know what? He loves it when we start thinking that way. We get deceived. Right. I've seen this so many times in the lives of young people. Well, they'll start down a path, and it's like, ah, come on, youth pastor, or come on, pastor, or come on, parent. Come on, it's not that big of a deal. And Satan has deceived you, young person. Right. Say no. Right. Step back. Don't allow yourself to be kidnapped by this kind of thinking. The deception that Satan loves to put in front of us is a deception that is close. It's close to right. It doesn't seem that bad, but it's not quite. 
Notice the last thing I have. We're here in Ephesians 4. We're here in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians 4. The church is meant to help with you not being deceived. We can look at this in other places, but look at chapter 4, verse 12. Verse 11 tells us he gave these gifts to the church, these offices to the church for this purpose, the perfecting of the saints, for the for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for the building up of the body of Christ. So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now watch this. That we henceforth be no more children. How are we demonstrating that we're children? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So here's what he says. I've given you the church so that you can be built up and strengthened so you will no longer be deceived. So guess what? Why do I have to go to church so you'll stop being deceived? Why do I need to be there on Sunday night? Why do I need to be there on Wednesday night? I mean, come on. Because we need the word of God to change our thinking right. so that we aren't deceived in what Satan throws our way. Right. This is why it's so important, sir, for you to make it a priority to have your family at church every Sunday. It's not just a, well, you know, we're, we're in the South and church is kind of a thing. So if I go, then, you know, everybody will be off my back for the rest of the No, 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 no. We go because if we don't allow the Word of God to shape our thinking, we will be deceived and Satan will destroy us. That's why we need it. Make it a priority. This thinking that is so deceptive has become so prevalent in our culture. Trust your heart. If you follow God, you're just going to be miserable and you're going to miss out on so many things. I mean, if it feels right, do it. And we go on and on and on and on with popular things you'll see on a shirt. You'll see people say on social media, even Christian people. You're like, wow, that sounds really good. But it's just not Bible. Go back to the Word of God. So, a few questions for us before we finish. Have I been kidnapped by deceptive thinking? How can we know? How can we guard our hearts? Well, first of all, do I seek out the Scriptures first on the decisions that come my way? Hey, Mom, Dad. We'd like to watch a movie. You know what my question is always when they say that? Some of you parents know. They say, I want to watch a movie. What's your next question? What is it? <laughs> what movie do you want to watch, right? Oh, it's such and such. Can I tell you, parents? It's our job to make sure the things they're putting into their eye gates are not deceiving them away from the truth of the Word of God. Well, all their friends have seen it. So what? Is it pulling them away from the truth? They're going to have to tell their friends that their parents won't. You know, so? Yeah. Be the bad guy. It's important enough to guard their thinking. Yeah. I'm just giving you one illustration. So you see all this stuff in the, in the movie. You see all this stuff. And you're like, okay, what is it? You know what the Bible says that God hates that? Yeah. We're not going to fill our minds with stuff that God hates. Right. We're not going to see a movie uh, glamorize something that God is against. Yeah. And again, this is just one illustration. Uh, somebody suggests something in your family, you're like, well, that's not really, really, what does the Bible say? What, 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 what do I learn from God's word? You see a theme? 
knowing this book, right? So we can stay away from being deceived. Second one, am I working to know the scriptures more and more? When I was at the wilds, we had something every day, they still have it, it's called God and I time. It wasn't because we couldn't figure out what to put into the schedule to fill the time for the team, so we added a time where they would read their Bibles. Like, oh man, okay, Adrian versus kids, how do we keep them busy? A half hour reading the Bible, I don't know. No, no, it's because for every single one of us, no matter how old you are, spending time getting to know God's word more and more is a beneficial thing for you. It's useful. Do it with your kids. Read the Bible with your kids. Do it with your own time. Spend time in God's Word. Get to know it more and more so you won't be taken captive. So you won't be deceived. Next, do I distrust my feelings? Do you recognize that following your heart is not usually the right way to go? Okay? Let's be honest. Well, maybe we shouldn't be honest. I was going to ask you, how many of you, if you trusted your heart, you would not be here at church this morning? <laughs> pastor Kyle? His hand might even be raised, right? I remember my dad as a pastor said, you know what? There are some Sundays I don't want to go to church. I don't think going, for me, it's every Sunday. Well, good. You didn't trust your heart, and you're here. Yeah. If you trust your feelings, you're going to go wrong, because the Bible tells us our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. We always want what's best for me. Yeah. We don't really care about what other people want. We want what's best for me. Well, don't trust your feelings. Match it up with the Bible. You know what? The way I'm feeling here, what does the Bible say about this? The way I'm thinking about this, what does the Bible say about this? And trust the scriptures over your feelings. Next one. Pastor Kyle didn't ask me to put this in here, okay? Pastor Zach didn't ask me to put this in here. Do I listen and heed the advice of my pastor? say, why does that matter? Because the Bible says in Proverbs, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And there is good wisdom in talking to other people who know the word of God about a situation you're concerned with. Ask other Christian friends, get their input, get their advice. Parents, my, my dad and mom got saved when they were later in life, or 18 and 19 years old. They got married at 20 and 19. I was born at 21 and 20. Matter of fact, my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. I was born, and they didn't know how to raise kids. You know what they did? They started going around and asking people in the church that they said, you know what? Their kids are doing pretty well. They seem to have a heart for God. Let's go talk to them. Hey, go ask advice from other people that are Christians. And then talk to your pastor. Find out what he thinks from the word of God. And then, here's the last one. And this one gets really personal, right? Right now, am I currently being deceived by sin? Is there a particular sin that you are holding on to that you're being deceived by? You know God's not pleased with it, but you've convinced yourself it's not a big deal, it's okay, it's just going to continue to grow. Maybe there's a particular way of thinking that is sinful, a particular attitude that is sinful, a particular action that is sinful, and you know it. Ask God to say, Lord, please forgive me and help me to trust your word in this area. Before I close in prayer, I mentioned it right at the beginning. Have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? You know, the very first step in all of this is to surrender your will and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation and give up and let him rule your life.
That's the first step. And if you're here this morning and you have never done that, today would be a great day for you to settle that in your heart as well. Let's pray and then I'll turn it over to Pastor Todd. Lord, I thank you so much for the directness of your word. Thank you for how it's still 